Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Any day now, Russia could take military action against Ukraine. People are sick and tired of COVID. We're not in crisis. People are not getting seriously ill. We no longer need to mask our children. And life is going to get better. There's a video that's out that's a compilation of me saying the N-word. There's nothing I can do to take that back. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome in. News and Views, Tom and Benny and Clark. And, uh, yeah, a new time. We're on uh, at 5 o'clock at top of the hour. Uh, before we get into it, congratulations to ECU alum Harold Varner III. He won the Saudi International yesterday. Happened, uh, of course, they're, what, seven, eight hours in front of us, so... Uh, I think it was about uh, 8.30 in the morning that, uh, no, it was closer to 9, uh, somewhere around there. Between 8 and 9 o'clock, our time, he sunk a putt that had to be at least 100 feet yeah, off the green. I think 92 feet, up. Is that what it was? It, he was off said. the green, and, uh, boy, it was so much fun to watch him sink that putt. And he just, he, uh, he, he is so deserving. He's such a great guy. Uh, everybody loves him and uh, played for Press McFall right here at ECU. Not too many years ago, and uh, yeah, he's he's gotten close a couple of times, but he's really played well so far this year, mm-hmm. and has been very competitive. And finally, put four rounds together and finished strong. Uh, Bubba Watson ended up actually he he started the day uh, thirteen under. He fell to ten under. He birdied the seventeenth. Bubba Watson was uh, two strokes ahead of him as he went in to the 17th, birdied the 17th, so Bubba was one stroke ahead, eagled the 18th to win the tournament. Million-dollar payout just for him. I don't know what the entire purse was. I, you know, but, I remember when the purse would, would be lucky to be a million dollars for the entire purse. For the entire purse. Yeah, now Well, it's... he was uh, over, and, you know, they attracted a bunch of big names. Uh, DeShambo was over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Merkelson was over there. Uh, Bubba Watson obviously was over there, and um, the Saudis have just said, you know what, we want to make this a big deal. In fact, there was two two events going on in Saudi Arabia yesterday, major <laughs> golf events, and they want to make this a big deal. And even though Pebble Beach was happening this weekend, there was a number of people that said, you know what, I like I like the payout. Went over there, including Harold, and uh, wow. It was a, a great day for Harold. You can make a tournament a big deal with a big check. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So uh, congratulations to Harold Varner. Lots to talk about today. We're going to be joined shortly by uh, Jim Perry. You know, just as we went off the air Friday afternoon, in fact, you were texting me throughout the hour. You know, have you, have you gotten an update yet? Has Have they released the North Carolina Supreme Court verdict on the district congressional maps that uh, the legislature put together, controlled by Republicans? And uh, we, we knew it was going, well, we had a strong hunch it was going to be a late Friday news dump. Uh, as Governor Cooper often does, as Democrats usually do, because they want to hide mm. it. They, you know, if, if this was great news, why, why don't you announce it bright and early Friday morning? Uh, no, they wait to the last minute, knowing that at the end of the week, the end of the day of the end of the week, people are looking forward to going home, relaxing, doing what they do, you know, going out to dinner, whatever. They're not going to be tuned into the news. That's when it was released, right as we went off the air, 6 (laughs) o'clock. It came out, and unfortunately, the news was, as we expected, that the North Carolina Supreme Court 
four Democrats, three Republicans, uh, they decided to reject the state congressional legislative election maps right along party lines. And uh, but it was what was really interesting was and there's a great article in the Carolina Journal. Boy, I, I ought to be on the Carolina Journal's payroll as much as I promote them. But they do a, they do a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, they're doing really one of the only sources that, that's doing straight unbiased sort. I mean, I'm sure somebody said, oh, hey, it's Republican, blah, 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 conservative, yeah, and all that. But there's nowhere else in the state that covers everything that's not an in- extreme liberal stance. And the News Observer proved that. Oh, yeah. They, this weekend. They actually condemned uh, Chief Justice Newby's dissent. That was, that was a terrible article on their part. And, of course, it was opinion piece, but uh, anyway... Senator Jim Perry from Kinston represents North Carolina's 7th Senate District. He is a member of the Senate Standing Committee on Redistricting and Elections. That means, short story is, he's in the midst of this, and uh, he is uh, kind enough to uh, call in a number of times to us. He's called in again this afternoon. Jim, welcome back into News and Views. Good to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, Well, let's get to the bottom line. Um, The... Four Democrat justices decided to nix your maps. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, the uh, you know the, the court has uh, issued a, I'll call it a partial order. Um, we we haven't seen their full opinion yet, um, where they have remanded us to go back to the trial court for remedial proceedings. So we have until uh, the eighteenth to submit maps, and uh, the, the uh, trial court must have a decision on those maps or provide some direction um, on those plans, I think, no later than the 23rd of, of February um, by, by noon. So it, it looks like we will be uh, drawing maps, and, and the court also gave us what, what I feel is a bit of a threat that um, – Anyone can uh, submit maps, any of the, uh, the parties involved or the interveners in the lawsuit. Everyone can submit maps, which is uh, pretty, pretty odd, I think. But uh, we, we do plan to, uh, to draw new maps to submit. Pretty odd is an understatement. Uh, What they wrote in this uh, order is is bizarre. But let me first take you to what uh, Justice Newby, Chief Justice Newby, wrote in his dissent, which uh, reading what he wrote is like, how are we supposed to do what you want us to do? He writes, the court must provide a manageable standard to determine when a proposed redistricting plan is constitutional. He goes on to say the court has failed to do so. The majority's requirement are so vague as to only allow this court to ultimately determine a plan's constitutionality. With this ruling, the majority moves beyond traditional judicial decision-making in favor of judicially amending the Constitution. But what he's saying is you tell him to go back. You're, you're saying, and, and I'm just paraphrasing here, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like Justice Newby is saying, you say it's unconstitutional, but you give no parameters as to what would satisfy you. So, Jim, how then do you go back and redraw these maps that will be satisfactory to these four Democrats on the Supreme Court? Now, I, you know, I actually think that your interpretation of that is, is very fair. Uh, they have 
established, no guideline. There, there's no. It, it's like they say, okay, you guys need to hit the target, but they don't provide us a target. There, there's no clear direction. There's no measurements as to what would satisfy this this just arbitrary um, idea of fairness. You know, there's no measurement. And, uh, you know, I've read our state constitution. I, I know you guys have, too. Um, I, I don't see any of this mentioned in our constitution. And it, it is what drives the average citizen uh, crazy about our courts is, you, you know, as a conservative, you feel that you get in front of a a liberal judge or, or someone with a liberal view of the law. And, you know, we're going to lose a hundred percent of the time because it feels like they want a specific outcome. And then they go back and, and try to work backwards from the outcome they want to find something that maybe they can shoehorn in to, uh, to justify their decision where, you know, we get in front of conservative judges and we lose half the time because they're not going to do that. They, right. You know, it's either written and gives them the authority or it does not. So it's incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, we have an invisible target to hit. We, we can't verify whether or not we hit it. And it's just like they're behind the curtain and they say, oh, we'll let you know how you did. You know, you feel that you're, yeah. you're set yeah. up for failure. Well, you are, because what they wrote, what the Democrats wrote in this order let me read a couple of sentences from their, their side. To comply with the limitations contained in the North Carolina Constitution, which are applicable to redistricting plans, the General Assembly must not diminish or dilute any individual's vote on the basis of partisan affiliation. The fundamental right to vote includes the right to enjoy substantially equal voting power and substantially equal legislative representation. This encompasses the opportunity to aggregate one's vote with like-minded citizens to elect a governing majority of elected officials who reflect those citizens' views. I mean, what they're saying here is an impossibility. How can you possibly uh, allow both sides to win, basically, is what they're saying. <laughs> you know, I was going to say that this reminds me of, of the trend we've seen over the last 15, 20 years of everybody gets a blue ribbon. Yes. Um, you know, everyone has to be allowed to win. They must be allowed to win regardless of the, the makeup of a district. And basically, in, in layman's words and thoughts, because, you know, I'm not an attorney, but I read this. And what it says to me is, hey, you guys got to let more Democrats win. <laughs> exactly. So that's, exactly. That's the crux of, now, how many more? I'm not going to tell you. But it's just got to be more because. This is un, it violates the fairness provision of our state constitution, which, you know, I say that tongue in cheek because yeah. there is no fairness provision in the state constitution. Yes, it's, it's impossible. <laughs> it's like they, they take this this idea of equity, which I do not believe in that concept. I believe in equal opportunity. I've, I've got three kids. They grew up in the same household. They had the same opportunities. They get different grades. You know why? Because. They have different levels of, of work ethic. They have different aptitudes and Bingo. abilities. They don't get everything equally. That's not the way the world works. I mean, this stuff is, is so frustrating. You know, the, the last thing we need in Raleigh is one more attorney running around up there. It, Thank it's you. It's just so crazy. Jim, going back to uh, 
the hearings, um, I, I think any objective person that listened to the hearings just, you know, right out of the gate on the on the Democrat side, on the majority side, I, I guess everyone knew what was going to happen <laughs> just just by based yeah. on the line of their questioning, this this talk of fairness and and then in their ruling or, or in their uh, partial order, you know, one of the things that um, to get in more details about this other than just resubmitting the maps, it says that also um, that you'll have to uh, provide an explanation uh, of the data relied on to determine the districting plan is constitutional. Well, okay, that, that sounds pretty fair. <laughs> um, but then what methods they employed in evaluating the partisan fairness of the plan? I mean, to me, I, if this was the go, and I'm not going to get you to, you know, predict what goes from here, but to me, the United States Supreme Court, if they read this order here, I, I got to imagine they got to say, "What in the heck are you guys yeah. doing? Yeah. Where, where does it say that you got to be fair to political parties? I mean, that's that I." And, and that's what Anita Earl in her, in her oral argument pretty much came out and said that that's what you have to do. And it's just it's just you amazing know, to me that uh, that they they're going to this level. They they tried to skim the surface of making proportionality arguments that you know it, it that because X number of people vote for a Democrat, then they should have X amount of representation. And and then when they were pressed on that, I, Chief Justice Newby asked some questions. They really tried to get away from it, right, because they realized it's yep. a pretty absurd concept. Forty percent of the voters in Wake County vote Republican. They don't have 40 percent of the representation in Wake County. So, you know, it's something they, they pick and choose when it suits them. If if you look at the number of statewide races, Republicans won. Um, you know, Republicans did very well in, in statewide races. So to try to pretend that someone is going to vote a certain way every time that that doesn't happen in North Carolina. They also didn't account for and do not account for the, the rise of the unaffiliated voter. And, and the, the unaffiliated voter is going to have an outsized impact on the state of North Carolina. It really feels like that this was the last gasp for them. So they're going to shoot every bullet they, they have. And make no mistake, I'm of the opinion. This is why Anita Earls is on the Supreme Court. I, I, I oh, felt yeah. confident that the activist was going to emerge. You know, it's, it's the whole reason she was given uh, her, her campaign was supported with a, a quarter of a million dollars by Eric Holder uh, and his group. Um, it, it's, you know, this was her seminal moment. So I think we'll see some other opinions, and and I firmly believe that uh, this type of behavior uh, the, the people will not stand for, and we will have a conservative court after November. Well, yeah, I you know it's I've often said uh, we can thank Jimmy Carter for Ronald Reagan, and I think we can thank uh, this particular court decision <laughs> for a more conservative court come November. Uh, let me ask you a, yeah. a another question on this this it, logistically. When, once these new maps are drawn, does it go back to the Supreme Court or does it go back to the Court of Appeals? Uh, so this would go back to the trial court, the three-judge panel that we heard. Because remember, they skipped the Court of Appeals. Right, right, okay. Um, they're, they're creating creating new procedures every day. 
Um, and then, you know, ultimately the Supreme Court would have the final say, but it does go to the, the three-judge panel uh, for their review. Now, would it, go to, um, would it possibly go to the Court of Appeals after that, or would it go, to, again, directly, or is that, is that in flux? Do we, know, we don't know yet. No. Well, my, my understanding is because of the Court's earlier order and, and what little bit they have uh, released now is that it would go to the three-judge panel trial court and then straight to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court's still going to be reviewing, and it's like they're allowing that speed bump because, um, you know, they, they remanded it back for uh, consideration to, to the three-judge panel. Jim, remind us, if you will, what, why it skipped the Court of Appeals level uh, initially. And whose decision was uh, that, Jim? Was that the, the Supreme Court's decision or the Appeals Court decision? Oh, that was the Supreme Court decision. Yeah, the, uh, the plaintiffs filed a, a bypass petition uh, to get around the court, and the, you know th- this was always going to end up in Justice Earl's lap, and uh, hmm. they were eager, <laughs> eager to make that happen. Yeah, and to, and to your point on, on as far as Justice Earls goes, uh, the the day of the hearings, um, I, I told Tom, I said, you know, if, if I was listening to those hearings with my eyes closed and didn't recognize any voices, I would have swore to you that Justice Earls was there representing the plaintiffs in that case because, it, I mean, she immediately went to their arguments like it was prepared, and we know, I'm sure she had the talking points and are already down, but it's just... I mean, to your point, I think it's obvious why she was there and why she, uh, why she, her first first shot at the bench in her entire legal career after a career of activism was at the North Carolina <laughs> Supreme Court when d- redistricting was to take place. So I don't think there was any so doubt it, about that. It was, it was interesting at the end. Uh, Attorney Phil Strzok, who, who Phil's got a, a great deal of experience in this arena and has done some great work um, for the calls, but. You know, he was talking uh, to the court about the, the court's reputation and how people perceive the political nature and that it's the job of the court to protect from that. And um, I don't know if you remember, I mean, her, her response was basically like, why should we care about that? You know, <laughs> why, does, why mm-hmm. does it matter? I mean, she was she was just laser focused. Um, I was I, I was actually pretty surprised um by how uh, aggressive the the tone was on that, but um, you know, not not really surprised by the outcome. I think most everyone with some knowledge of the court anticipated something of this nature. Have you ever stopped to think that you might want to send a thank you note to the Democratic justices, not because of the decision? Because you're right, we knew this was the decision, but their rationale was so bizarre. It seems like, the, and I don't know if you all have any plans to try to take it to a federal court, but the, the rationale was so bizarre that it seems to me that it's just like, it's mind-boggling, and it's almost like, thank you for showing the, us and the public how irrational your decision was. Well, I think it's very hard for them to point to anything in the Constitution, you know, these nebula, nebulous faults and vague ideas of, well, it violates this, but then not explaining how, um, I think, sent a, a clear message to everyone that, you know, there's a lot of questions out there right now. I'm, I'm being asked continually about, will the House impeach? Because a lot of people really believe that um, she has violated uh, many standards of judicial conduct. And Speaking of the law didn't require, 
Anita yeah, Earls? If they believe, yes. Yeah, okay. And if, if, even if the law didn't require her to refuse, um, you know, where are all the good government groups that three years ago were saying <laughs> that donations made to judges made them partial and that, you know, you're bought and paid for? And, and now they're all silent. Yeah. Um, we're we're asked about will the House impeach, and you know I, I'm not in the House. Uh, I, I I can't tell you. I can tell you that a lot of us are are angry, and if we knew that would be effective, uh, would love to go that route. There are some questions about would that stand a constitutional challenge because a a Supreme Court justice is a constitutionally authorized position. Right, so mm-hmm. our our strongest legal document authorizes it. So there are are I think valid legal questions about can you really remove someone who is elected by the people to a constitutionally authorized position? Can you nullify their power by a state statute? You know, is that really constitutional on the face? And there are some problems with it. Um, there, you know, I'm, I'm sure there would be a, a ton of legal challenges, but just know there, there's armies of attorneys looking at, at all of this stuff, trying to uh, make sense and find the best path. It, it's not as simple as, hey, let's just kick it to the, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, because, as you know, matters of our state constitution, our state Supreme Court is the final authority, and that is, that is extremely frustrating, uh, but the the U.S. Supreme Court will not touch something like that if it's a matter regarding our state constitution and our state Supreme Court has ruled on it. So you have to find conflicts with federal law in order to get them to take uh, take this case up based on, on federal merit. So we will see what evolves. We're, what? we're looking for every option we have. Is, is And again, I'm not an attorney, but... I, uh, Jonathan Turley had a great article out. I think it came out today, maybe came out yesterday, but uh, he actually mentions the North Carolina Supreme Court's decision, but he really was focused on the bizarre, the very bizarre situation up in the state of New York and how they, even though they control the majority of congressional districts, Jerry Nadler's district look like, it looks like, it's not as large, obviously, but it looks like Mel Watt's old district going mm-hmm. up I-80, I-85. Mm-hmm. Have you all have you all considered? Uh, and I don't know if this is even a possibility, but but you know, taking it to a federal court and saying, "Listen, what the Democratic Party is doing here is not only bizarre, but you know, they're they're trying to play both sides of the fence." Up in New York, you have the Democrats creating highly gerrymandered districts, and down here in North Carolina, which is you know, they're trying to keep things as whole as possible in terms of counties and that sort of thing. And yet the Democrats are complaining that those are gerrymandered. I, I feel comfortable saying that, um, you know, Senator Berger uh, has been steadfast on these issues and that we, we've got the best legal minds from a constitutional standpoint um, that, you know, we could locate looking at various scenarios um faults and yeah. scenarios yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know let, let, you know phil phil Berger doesn't sit where he sits because he is faint of heart or you know shies away from a challenge he, he this is very important to the people of our state um you know very important to the people in our districts 
friends, families, the future of North Carolina, so that this isn't something that's going to be taken lightly. And just in terms of uh, your workload, I assume you're probably in Raleigh as you speak? I was in Raleigh today. Okay. I uh, just got just got back home. Uh, I'll be I'll be going back up. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different things going on right now. In, in addition to this, it's been such a weird and strange year. Um, people forget we still have oversight committees going on for different uh, different governmental agencies. So this part time gig has a lot of hours. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, when you guys, uh, when the legislature drew up the original maps that the North Carolina Supreme Court just knocked down, the Democrats did, the Democrats in the legislature really deliberately had very little input. It's almost like they wanted to avoid it so they could blame the whole thing on Republicans. Do you expect any input this next time around? Uh, we, we will we will see. Um, I would... I would think that we'll see a higher level of engagement, uh, and it, it's interesting if you if you recall, they did offer a couple of amendments that were accepted, and uh, it, it's it's funny the left leaning groups actually complained about districts that the Democrats drew. Uh, we accepted their amendments on a couple like up around uh, Guilford County. We accepted their amendments. They testified before the committee that they were. Fair districts, no VRA issues, you know, no concerns. Uh, they they drew them, we accepted them, and the the left still um, you know challenged those districts in court. So mm. it's uh, it's just a bizarre world we live in. Inconceivable, <laughs> Senator Jim Perry. Thank you, sir. Uh, let's let's stay in touch on this. I'm sure we'll talk again before uh, it's all said and done. But. Uh, Keep up the good work, and uh, please uh, share our uh, the fact that we're praying for y'all and and uh, cheering you on. I know it's got to be a thankless job when you when you put all the work into it, and then you have uh, this, uh, as you said, bizarre response by by uh, justices that uh, it's the irony is they're calling what you did unconstitutional. That is as about as ironic as you can get. It certainly is. Mm. Thanks, Jim. Well, thank you. Thank, thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks, Jim. Look forward to talking to you again. Senator Jim Perry calling in uh, concerning the decision by the North Carolina Supreme Court. We've got to take a timeout. Stay with us. Much more to come. We'll be right back.